Sluts and Scholars, a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars, the podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am excited to welcome Wiley Wolf. They are a professional dominant human animal handler fetish performer, kink educator, and primal daddy based in Los Angeles. And if you don't know what those words mean, we are going to get into it. She is the co-founder of SoCal Creatures, an inclusive pet play group, Instinct LA, which is a virtual primal support group, and the Observation Room, which I got to go to, an extreme kink immersive theater production. Their greatest joy is to foster connection, ethics, and queer gender fuckery in BDSM. Welcome, Wiley. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Okay, so for folks who have no idea, what is pet play? Yeah, we threw a lot of words at people in just that bio. So I know that's going to be really interesting to explore. So pet play is within BDSM and kink. It's basically just a form of role play um, where one person typically takes on the role of an animal of some kind and typically... The other person takes on the role of their like human handler or owner or whatever in the same way that like, you know, you'd have a person and their dog or a person and their cat. Um, You can also have like situations where there are two people who are playing as pets or playing as animals and they're playing together. That can happen too. But that's basically what it is. And would you be willing to share who who you are as an animal if you play? Oh, sure. So um, within like the pet play sphere, I typically do play as a handler. So I'm typically the one who um, owns the pets and plays Mm -hmm. with them and trains them and does all that kind of stuff. Uh, I have my own sort of animal energy that I like to tap into. Um, That would be the wolf, which is not a surprise given my (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I also connect very strongly with the coyote and the hyena. Oh, how does somebody figure out what their sort of animal part (laughs) is? What was helpful for you in being like, yeah, that's me. I'm a wolf. Yeah, I think that for a lot of people, it's a little bit of a self-discovery journey. You know what I mean? I always had like a lot of real connections to wolves. I always felt very like energetically connected to them. I always really liked them. So for me, that came about quite naturally. Mm -hmm. Um, But for other people, you know, they might have to think about it a little bit. They might have to just try things out and see. Um, I, I know some people think about kind of like what their personality traits are and they see what type of animal that might connect to based on what they 
associate with different animals. For instance, there's like the stereotypical, oh, more masculine is like more canine, more feminine is more like feline. So you get like kittens, like, you know, kitten girls or something like that. But that's not always the case either, Mm -hmm. right? You can kind of do whatever you want. I know more masculine cats. I know more feminine dogs puppies. Okay. Um, so for people, it's just like a, it's just a self-discovery of just like seeing like what connects to you and what you're drawn to. And some people like to identify as a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, just kind of going from there, it becomes a way to sort of discover the self. And what have you found to be like the, some of the things that people get out of this kind of play? Like, what do you see it bringing to people in their lives and relationships and, and why might they want to play? A lot of different reasons. Now, whenever I teach about kind of any sort of kinky play, I always do encourage people to think about why they want to do something, right? Not only does that allow you to get the correct thing out of it that you're trying to get out of it, but it also allows you to talk to the other people you're trying to engage with and determine if you have the same goals. Um, because and I like to I like to preface too for folks if you're tuning in for the first time. I think when I ask why about this kind of stuff, I really like to do it with a interested, excited curiosity. And I I want to encourage folks not to if this is something you're interested in or curious about or doing, not to ask why in the sense of like why are you into that in the in, in how that would mean like oh well if we figure out why maybe you won't want to do it and there's something wrong. So when I say why, I more mean like what how can this enhance people's lives? Absolutely. And thank you for that clarification. That's so true. It's not about like, yeah, it's not like, oh, why do you like that? It's, yeah. oh, I like this. Like, what mm-hmm. is it about this that is exciting to me? Some potential answers for pet play. And I guess everybody can come up with their own, right? Yeah. Everyone's going to have a different answer. So if I say something and someone listening decides that, that those are not the reasons that speak to them, that's so fine. This is a personal journey. But some examples can just be stress relief, right? You get to turn off the human brain and turn on the animal brain and just kind of be in the moment. For some people, that's almost meditative. Mm. Um, For some people, that's freeing. Um, That's taking away the stress of taxes and work and, you know, other relationships and and all those stressors that are in our day-to-day lives. And it's like, it doesn't really matter. None of those matter. The kitten that's curled up in the sun over there doesn't know anything about taxes. Yeah. Right. That's you for this amount of time. Right. Totally. I'm, I, I work with horses and I have animals. And whenever I'm sometimes just looking at them, just being, I'm so jealous of them. I'm like, that must be so nice. Yeah. No, you don't know anything about that. You don't yeah. have to pay the rent. And uh-huh. so that's really nice. We get to tap into that. Um, and for some people, it's also about the receiving of care. Now, this really happens a lot when there is like a human counterpart sort of handler person, right? There's like a lot of caregiving in that. There's cuddling and receiving physical touch and like a a way that feels sweet or nice to you. Um, it's yeah, being being taken care of, being provided for within the context of the scene. Uh, so being able to to kind of relax and trust somebody mm-hmm. uh, that can feel really beautiful and intimate in a very specific way. Uh, it's also really a vulnerability that you can have with another person. There's a really specific and beautiful connection that happens with two people when they're able to go to such a vulnerable state where it's like, I'm, I'm just a little puppy and you're going to play with me and take care of me. Like that's so vulnerable. And I don't think people always realize that, but what comes out of that is such a special bond with the person you've done that with, even if you just do it casually with them, because you connect over that and you, you have an extra trust around that. Uh, yeah. you know, and of 
Yeah. So I think that for a lot of people, it revolves around the freedom. It revolves around the vulnerability. It revolves around the intimacy. And then it also revolves around the fun for a lot of people. They get to just have fun and like play around and learn things and, you know, be told that they're so good or whatever. And for some people, it's about darker things too. But even so, it's still about that freeing, that play, that fun, uh, and that kind of special bond that you get to create with the people that you're doing that with. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like for me, I think, and we use the word play so many times already in this conversation is that, you know, as adults, there are so many things we have to do and we've been maybe taught or conditioned out of not playing anymore. And so, I mean, I think this is great in in kink and BDSM in general is that it is an adult playground to be able to connect with that, that inner youth, that inner excitement and, and not let go of that. But I think when we think of animals, like I just think of being a young person and being like, I'm an animal, I'm a th-, you know, and being able to, to play, to growl, to move, to sniff. Like it's very, it's very sensual. Right. And, and you get to sort of engage with all your senses in a way that maybe we've been told not to do as an adult, right? Like if you smell a good smell, we're taught not to go up to it and be like, <laughs> you know, sniff it really hard. Or if we like see a nice fabric, just roll around and rub it all over our body. Like it would be nice if we could do that. But if you're a pet, you can do that. And it's celebrated, right? Yeah. You get that rewarded. And, and I know a lot of people when they first start exploring, they feel really self-conscious about that. It's like, I don't want to look weird. I don't want to look mm. like awkward. I don't want to be like judged for that. Like, is it, is it weird what I'm doing? Like I'm being an animal. That's weird. But they find that, you know, to have somebody with them who's like, heck yeah, bury your little face in that beautiful, beautiful soft blanket, like roll around, like squeak that toy. It's cute. You're so cute. You're so good. We love this. Mm-hmm. Or like, I want you to do this. Uh, it's permission to play, you know? Yeah. So what does being a good handler mean to you then? <laughs> it's facilitating that safe space, basically. That's kind of what it is. It's And when I say safe space, I mean physical, psychological, emotional, all of it. That is, in its essence, your duty. Your duty is to play with them, to have fun with them, to facilitate whatever they want to feel while also getting whatever you want to feel out of it too. And making sure that they, you know, don't skin their knee or something. Make sure they've had enough water because when you're really playing and you're having a lot of fun, you can forget that you have a human body that needs to be taken care of. (laughs) So that's my job is to make sure that your human body is taken care of while you are in this space. Um, And yeah, to provide care and uh, to do any training that they want, but basically just to create a safe space for whatever, whatever the two of you want to create together in all of the different ways. And to, of course, make sure that they're okay afterwards too. That's where aftercare comes in. That's yeah, yeah, very important. And, I mean, you were talking about more the the sort of lighter side of things where it's like you're being so good and let's play and I'm gonna like teach you tricks and all that. But you mentioned there's also maybe a more shadow, uh, darker energy that can come out. Um, what does that look like in pet play? I can look like a lot of things as well. I mean, there's you're so good and there's degradation. There's yeah, you're, you're a bad little piggy. Yeah, you're a bad little piggy, and I'm gonna rub your face in it. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, um, there is a more sexual side to this play. I think it's really important whenever we talk about that to underline, bold, highlight that this is not at all about like bestiality. This is not about doing things with any actual biological animals. These are just two yeah. adult people who are engaging 
in a way that they both consent to and they understand that they are humans outside of this. That's not about that. Um, but yeah, there is still a sexual side to it as well because there is kind of a sensuality around like the sensual touch and like, you know, being treated like a dirty dog. That's one kind of can be more of a sexual degrading situation. Um, I like to do a lot of boot stomping and kicking. I love to kick a puppy. Uh, <laughs> 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 right. <laughs> um, but I love it. That's it's a good cool. quote. Love to kick a puppy. <laughs> no, a willing consensual human puppy. Of course. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. <laughs> I would never kick a, a biological dog, but I would love to kick a human puppy who's into it. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think people have such a hard time not hearing this and being like oh, bestiality or like oh, you want to harm animals. Like, why do you think it's so hard for people to wrap their heads around that folks would want to do this for fun? I mean, because it's, you know, you're looking at it as, oh, you're pretending to be a dog and you want to do sexual stuff. Therefore, you're fantasizing about doing sexual things with actual animals. And that's just not true. It's just not. Um, it is. I'm, it's kind of a different, it's just a completely different headspace. Well, and, uh, and I would say like, you know, at least in my therapy practice, I, I have worked with people who have illegal or unethical fantasies and this could potentially be a consensual risk aware, legal and ethical way to play in that fantasy and not harm an a non-consenting entity. Um, but that doesn't mean that if you're into this, that you want to do that. Fantasy isn't always reality behavior. So it's, we really have to kind of highlight those things when we talk about this stuff. And because there's so much shame and stigma around playing outside the box. Totally. Absolutely. And I think that that's another reason why it's very important to interrogate what's going on and why you want to do things. Again, we're not trying to degrade in like the why, but it is important to know if there's something going on that you should talk to somebody about if you can before you engage in this so that you can engage ethically or determine whether or not that's a good avenue for you. Um, for a lot of those reasons, I, I do know though that, yeah, it's, they're definitely very different things. It is not about, uh, in, you know, just, uh, doing the fantasy of doing something with an animal. It mm -hmm. is about engaging with a person in a headspace where they are an animal, but you're yeah. still two people consenting to this, if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And um, you mentioned that it can be sexual and erotic. And obviously, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I define sex and eroticism very broadly. Um, but if you're hearing that for the first time, I think there's lots of ways we can be sexual that aren't just the overt penetration type stuff. And so when I think of any type of play, overtly sexual or not, it can be erotic. Um, so even if someone's not, you know, doing that, I hear that like pet play with the, the petting and the care and the sensuality of their surroundings can be sexual. But how many folks do you see wanting to combine this with like more overt sex versus folks who just like to be in play and, and, and kind of stick more with that, like sensuality aspect. It depends on the community that you're in. Mm -hmm. So a lot of human puppies, uh, tend to be in the like gay male community, uh, pet play, or at least puppy play specifically did originate in the gay leather community. And so it came up through those avenues. Now the community that I run is not exclusively for gay men in any way, nor is it dominated by them. We have all different 
genders, sexualities, all kinds of different uh, intersections of identity that come. So ours is a little bit of a different sample set. But when you're looking at like the gay male pub community, a lot of that does occur in like bars. There's a slight different culture to it and it does tend to be more sexual. So within those communities, it's like, I don't want, I don't know, 90, 10, 80, 20 sexual to not. And I mean that like overtly and in like kind of always. Um, but within our community, my specific one, which is a little bit more diverse than just the type of people that come to it, I would say that it's more like 60, 40 people who engage with it sexually versus not. And the people who engage with it at our actual parties is much lower. Uh, I find that a lot of the people that come to my particular events, occasionally they'll do some like more overt sexual things at our actual parties. But a lot of times that happens, I think, behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would I would probably put it at about 60, 40. It's a little bit closer to even. And there are some people who, if they see something sexual happening, that actually takes them out of their headspace because they're like, no, like I, I don't want to be in a in an overt sexual headspace here. I want to be in a like very carefree, more youthful headspace here. Like I I don't want to be in that sort of space. So it's it's interesting, but it does differ. Yeah. So let's say somebody comes to one of these types of events, like a SoCal Creatures meetup. What would they see? It's kind of like a giant like dog park in a dungeon, but with uh-huh. all different animals. That is how I would describe it to you. <laughs> yeah. So we've got some vendors. We've got a little snack bar with a bunch of treats and dog bowls. We have a main area that's just like a sea of like puzzle mats so that you can be on all fours safely. We've got a little ball pit, actually not that little. We've got a ball pit um, and like a bunch of toys. There's a dog house. You can just kind of romp and play freely in that space as animals, bat toys around, all kinds of stuff. Uh, And then we have like a a long hallway where we've got all these different types of playrooms that you can reserve in a lot of a a lot of um, cases. Um, We have like a forest room. We turn a room into like a little forest with like a like a little den and like all this kind of stuff. Uh, We have like a more like chill decompression room if you're getting overwhelmed or you want to have aftercare sort of away from all of the excitements. And then there's also a bunch of of rooms that have uh, just like um, typical like BDSM type furniture. So you've got your spanking horses and all that kind of stuff happening where you can just have any kind of scene that you'd like. And then we have one room specifically that is open for like all kinds of sexual contact. Yeah. And for folks listening, we have talked a lot about pups or dogs, but there are cats, there are kittens, there are foxes, there are ponies, there are horses, there are... (laughs) uh lizards there are foxes there are tigers yeah what other there's cute cow there's human (laughs) cows um what else have you seen yeah i mentioned a second ago dragons also so there's fantasy yes dragons yeah i've met unicorns um let's see uh all different types of felines so lions i met a tropical bird once um (laughs) (laughs) that was kind of fun uh let's see red pandas raccoons um yeah, any, any animal, literally any animal you can think of. Either someone's already done it, or you could be the first. Uh, of course, wolves and coyotes and hyenas too. I mean, you know, yay, <laughs> all kinds of things. Uh, yeah, really anything you can imagine, it can definitely be done. Yeah, and, and we have a lot. Of those. And when you are handling or working with folks engaging in that, 
um, what is the protocol for uh, checking in and consent? Because I imagine if someone, or I don't imagine, I know <laughs> if someone is a pet plague, um, that they might fully embody that animal and might not have human language speech anymore. Um, how do you sort of negotiate and um, check in when somebody is in their pet persona? A lot of that comes to pre-negotiation. So you should really be talking, if you're going to be doing a scene with someone, um, talk a lot about like what body language means. <laughs> um, especially if you've been playing a zone for the first time, it's like, what does it look like if you're having a good time? What does it look like if you're having a bad time? Like if you retreat into yourself, mm -hmm. is that, is that a problem? Like what, what should I do? Yeah. Uh, is there any chance that you'll be able to, to do human speech or, or not, or do you just not know? Cause if you don't know, you should assume that you won't just mm -hmm. because that would be safer. Um, we also have like safe actions that we do. So a thing that often comes up in, in BDSM is using safe words to communicate if you want things to slow down or stop, uh, safe, you safe barks. <laughs> Yeah, you can do safe barks. You can do certain sounds. You can also do certain actions. Um, so it just depends on what you want to do. Uh, I know a lot of times like a, like a sharp yelp tends to be like a yellow or I just got hurt or something. If we're like wrestling or something like that, um, you can also do like two paws up can be a red. Someone standing could be a red. Um, you can kind of decide what you want to do. You can do like a tap out sort of thing, like a double tap, kind of like you would do in like wrestling or jujitsu or anything like that. Um, yeah. If you're doing a wrestling thing and they'd be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Those are just some examples. Find what works for you. Uh, but that tends to be a good way to do it. Uh, if you're worried about doing check-ins, you can also be like, hey, if I say, how are you doing? And I'm like, let's come up with a green, right? Let's come up with an I'm doing great answer, uh, which could be something like a happy bark or yeah. a little wet. Or right. they push their head into your hand to be pet. And that's a, you checked in, I'm telling you that I'm good and I'd like to continue. Mm -hmm. That can be really, really helpful as well. Totally. Yeah. So you also call yourself a primal daddy. Um, so where does primal fit in and primal play? What is that in either separate or in conjunction with pet play? Yeah. So my like animal headspaces mostly come from that primal place. Mm -hmm. And that's just sort of how I understand my energy. So the way that I would describe the difference, because this can be sort of a, a difficult thing for people to understand. We've talked about how pet play is about embodying the role of an animal. You're role playing, you're putting on a role, right? You're learning the behaviors, you're learning how to embody that physicality. You're learning the, the sounds that a certain animal makes, and you're doing everything you can to put on that role. Mm -hmm. Within primal, you're, the, the whole intention is to take off the role of the civilized person and just exist authentically as you. Yeah. So pet play is putting a role on, primal play is taking a role off. Okay. Mm. Um, so for a lot of people- Yeah, like way, going to your base lizard brain a little bit. Yes. Base instincts, base lizard brain, base caveman, whatever like works for you. <laughs> you know, I've heard a lot of different ways. And so a lot of people, in order to really understand their instinctual, raw, kind of animalistic self, because we are all animals, ultimately, even as humans, yeah. a lot of people find it helpful to understand themselves kind of through the lens of another animal, basically, because uh, we are so far removed from our primal core as people, as humans. So to sort of embody, or at least filter through like the energy of an animal that we feel connected to, it helps us better understand our animalistic selves, if that makes sense. 
And for other people, they're just a primal human. They're just like, yeah, I'm a person, I'm a human, I'm already an animal, and this is me, and I'm just existing authentically, and this is what it is. So that's kind of what it is. It can look a little similar sometimes. If you see two people growling and wrestling, they could be doing either thing, I guess. They could be doing pet play or primal. It just depends on the and and what the energy is between those two people. Yeah. What I what I like about it is the experience of showing and receiving that that hunger. Yeah, definitely. You know I mean, it's like it's like a, hunt. a little bit more of the yeah, the, the, just like hedonistic, more sensual because you're like, I want to smell this deeper. I want to bite this harder. I want to grab this. I want to do whatever sounds and noises come to me. And I will say that like. It's hard to get into that and not feel self-conscious. Is there anything that's been helpful for you to, maybe you never had that, but if you did, what was helpful in maybe overcoming any self-consciousness about like being your most raw based self? Yeah. I think that everyone gets a little self-conscious about that at first, or at least most people. Um, And I did too. And I still, you know, reserve it, reserve the fullness of it for the people that I feel safe expressing that around. Mm -hmm. It comes in two parts. One is finding people who create that safe space with you, even whether or not they feel that themselves, that they can like accept and welcome that Mm -hmm. as you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also giving yourself a little bit of gentleness. Uh, Sometimes we have to tell ourselves that it's okay to be who we are and it's okay to allow ourselves to feel that. And it becomes sort of a practice of self-love in that way. So it's both external and internal in my experience, at least for me. Um, Without uh, crossing any anonymity boundaries, um, is there a primal or pet place scene that you'd be willing to share to just kind of paint a picture for like um, how this can look and feel? In practice, they feel very different to me because within pet play, I am I am a handler, so it is it is kind of its own its own thing, and that it's a lot of the stuff we've already talked about. Yeah. Um, in primal, <laughs> I'll just say that a lot of my primal experiences start with almost like it's almost like two creatures circling each other, you know, mm. kind of sniffing each other out. You're feeling each other's energy. It's very call and response. It's very like. I move forward, you either move back or move forward. And then I react based on that. Right. Uh, and yeah, like I'll, I, well, we'll talk about, I guess me and a partner of mine circling each other. And, you know, we were going to do like a wrestling sensual scene with, you know, other things being okay. Most things being okay because we know each other very well. So yeah. not many are off limits. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, So there's little growls that are happening between us. We're both trying to find how to kind of begin the tackle with the other person. It's almost like a confined hunt, I guess. Mm. Back and forth until I think in this case, she went for me first and like grabbed me and then I grabbed her. And then now we're both growling. And then we're, you know, we've tackled each other kind of further down on the floor because we were already on all fours and we're breathing together and uh, biting and scratching and all of that kind of stuff. And it gets really aggressive. You go back and forth, uh, one pins the other, growling in each other's faces, biting, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and with us specifically, a lot of times our energy goes to a pretty sexual place. So it 
moved kind of organically into um, kissing and like pinning and then like, you know, touching uh, sometimes a little forcefully because that's something that we definitely do in our particular dynamic. (laughs) In our case, we were wearing clothes already. So clothes start getting ripped off kind of one piece at a time as sort of part of this primal energetic power struggle, Mm -hmm. I guess. Uh, until we're both naked and then uh, loser gets uh, fucked. So that's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn, I lost. Darn, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that can go back and forth as well until you're basically just uh, an exhausted heap and the energy kind of naturally wanes and that becomes cuddles and like nice things like that. Mm. Yeah, any tips for folks who are wanting to tap into being more primal to get into it, whether it's like safety things or classes or just, you know, um, Let's say you want to tap into that. What's some first steps? There's a lot. Um, I do teach a primal class. So it's also available as a recording. Um, You can go to it's gumroad.com slash Wiley Wolf. And my recording is there if you want it. Uh, I also, through that, have a primal identity workbook that I've created that is also a class. Um, The class itself was not recorded, but the workbook is available there as well on my Gumroad. So that it's like 15 pages of like all these questions to help you understand your energy, how you want to be, how you visualize yourself, and then also how you want to engage with others. So it becomes like a really good base for like negotiations and like what you're okay with. And you could like bring that to somebody or have yeah. them do it too. And then you compare notes and sort of figure things out. Um, yeah. Between those two things, I would hope you'd be able to at least try a scene because the class itself, the one-on-one class goes a lot over like all of the physical safety and psychological safety and terms and all kinds of stuff like that. Yes, definitely check out the class. Um, Last kind of questions before we start to wrap up. So you, you call yourself daddy as well. Um, And you mentioned in your bio two kind of challenging gender norms as well. And so as someone who identifies she, they um, and daddy, um, tell me about how you like to kind of challenge gender and roles um, in your, in your play and in your work. Yeah, I, I mean, as a daddy, I embody a lot of things that are traditionally masculine. Um, I mean, daddy, daddy's not an age or a person or a gender. It's a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. It's so true. And there can be femme daddies. There can be all kinds of different daddies. You can be a she, her daddy, whatever. Right. Uh, It's more about like a vibe and a lifestyle. For Mm -hmm. me, it is about querying that, which is typically patriarchal, turning that on its head and recreating it as something for my pleasure and the pleasure of those I want to engage with. Mm. Okay. So I'm not really dressed in my mask wear right now. I'm not in all my leathers, but (laughs) I typically am. Uh, And a lot of the things that I like to do and the energy that I like to bring is not really your typical feminine energy most of the time. I certainly can do that. I chameleon a little bit, like I think a lot of us do. Um, but it's about just sort of living in my authenticity. Like I love to smoke cigars and drink whiskey and step on people in my leather boots. I mean, come on. So, <laughs> <laughs> and why does that have to be masculine? That's just fun. It, it sure doesn't. Um, but it's about how I feel in it, right? And to right. me, like the, the way that I move through the world and the way that I move through kink in my relationships is all about my own gender euphoria and doing that fuckery and just kind of turning all of those 
weird patriarchal in air quotes norms kind of on their heads and doing kind of whatever I want, but within my own pleasure. And if other people don't expect to see somebody who looks like me doing that, well, now they've seen it. So, you know, I guess that's really not my problem. Uh, (laughs) And it's about kind of reclaiming all of that stuff, you know, and uh, yeah, being able to embody those roles that yeah, again, from sort of a patriarchal standpoint, wouldn't be available to somebody who is not a cisgender man and being able to to embody that myself and also queer it and make it kind of whatever uh, is really empowering to me. And I encourage other people to do to do that in whatever way feels good to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, last and certainly not least, if you know me at all and listen to the show, um, Aliens. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, Wiley just uh, helped put together this awesome interactive, uh, immersive kink theater uh, called Observation Room, or I guess it does other things. But the one I went to was um, an abduction alien style thing. Um, Would love to hear you share a little bit with folks about uh, what inspired that and uh, yeah, anything about it, because it was certainly a fun experience. And um, yeah, grubs will haunt me. Good. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah. Observation room is an endeavor between uh, me and my partner and um, our other housemate to kind of merge immersive theater and like kink. Um, immersive theater already being like kind of a little, I don't know, kind of kinky when it gets to the more like uh, full contact people are like some in some shows people get waterboarded like I don't know to me that's kind of kinky but you know whatever uh so we're merging it more intentionally (laughs) in our own way um and with our own lens uh this is actually the third one we've done which is the one that you went to the last one before that was an asylum theme that was a lot of fun I really got to dig into my religious blasphemy kink there that was really good Uh, (laughs) and the one before that was like a scientific laboratory one so all different types of ways to kind of bring you into an immersive world bring you into a story where you are playing an active part in that story um so what you do in some cases matters um you are part of the story in like a real way while also getting to see some um pretty fun stuff on the more intense side for some people i say that with kind of an asterisk some individuals watched it and were like, heck yeah, that's awesome. Other people watched it and said, that's the most extreme thing I've ever seen. I don't know. Other people, <laughs> um, like other people um, watched it and were like, whoa, I really need to figure out how to make this uh, alien baby sack at home. Yeah, you do. And I can tell you how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, I think immersive theater, at least for me, what came up was like, it's a cool way to sort of, especially if you might be feeling shame or whatever to like try on how something feels and if it's of interest to you or to maybe learn something that you didn't think you were interested in, in an experiential way. And so like for clients of mine, sometimes, you know, we go through what's called a yes, no, maybe list. So people are figuring out what they're open to, what they're into, but that's all kind of in your head of thinking of what that might be like, as opposed to this is sort of like a way to be like, let me actually try it on and see if it's something that feels interesting in my body, but there's still a little bit of distance. Cause you're like, Oh, it's the theater, you know, I'm experiencing it, but I, I can, I can have distance. Yeah. It's not just a show you're seeing. Yeah, it's show. not me. I just, uh, I don't know what they're going to do this. It's just yeah. a show. Uh, oops. I'm turned on. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, a cool way to sort of 
yeah, do that dance of figuring out what you might like in an experiential way. Absolutely. I would agree with that. Um, Going forward, we also have now like a new like membership sort of thing um, where you can opt in to be part of like an inner circle. uh, And that requires you to answer a lot of questions about you and what you're interested in and what you're okay with. Does that mean you can participate more? Yes. Um, Oh, email if you haven't already. I think you're already in it. Are you in it? (laughs) I don't know. Um, (laughs) I'm not in the inner circle, but that sounds interesting. Oh yeah, you better better check your email. Um, We sent it out to everybody who went to the last show, so you can check that. Uh, But yeah, uh, so that will open you up for the people who are opting into that for things that are more extreme and are more hands on and are more things are happening to you in a more real way and will be more emotionally challenging because I think that the beauty of doing immersive theater as well as like bringing kink into it is not is not only that you get to experience new things and try things on for size and see how they feel which is totally cool you also get to really be part of kind of like your own movie in a way Mm -hmm. Uh, and you get to go through an emotional story as well and there gets to be like that sort of psychological component that is added into it. So it becomes both the exploration of kink, but also the exploration of art together, or at least that's our intention. So yeah. uh, I think that's what makes it a little bit unique as well, uh, while offering you the opportunity to maybe experience something you haven't experienced before, uh, specifically in a very different story-driven way. Yeah. Well, how can folks uh, check that out? Uh, hire you, join you, classes, all the things, shout it out. Join me. Wow. Um, so all of the things specific to me, you can find at worshipwileywolf.com. Now that's worshipwileywolf, wolf with an E.com. That'll take you to everything regarding me specifically. It will also take you to observation room. Um, but if you're looking for just observation room specifically, uh, then you can go to observationroom.info. And if you're looking for just pet place specifically, you can go to SoCalCreatures.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Wiley, for joining us. And again, listeners, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Slut Scholars. Don't forget to rate, review, follow wherever you get your podcasts and check out those advertiser discounts um, because the more you support them, the more you support the podcast. Thank you so much. Sluts and Scholars, a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show.